Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Ray and Tay Today. Talking sports with friends. We're talking basketball. NBA time and we're on the air. We're ready to clap boards and our crossover's not fair. Uh, throw the ball up in the air. We're giving you the stats. All stars are here. NBA finals end. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor. It is a Monday in February. It's time to clap boards, Ray. You know how I used to clap boards with you and talk some hoops? Oh, uh, come on stop. now. Don't distort <laughs> reality. Ah, you know. Check us out also Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Great interviews. So we'll get to the college hoops, the surprise rankings. But in the NBA, Ray, um, the players are exhausted. I mean, the break is coming. We're going to look at the standings. But after all the trades, you know, we got to look at some of these teams and what happened. But what did you think about LeBron James and his four new young dogs? or George Hill's not young, but new players who basically got him a win that he sat out and only played 28 minutes, 49 points. George Hill was the only starter and looked very impressive. And everyone's thinking that maybe they're back as the front runners in the Eastern Conference. What did you think? Well, there's a month and a half left in the season. So that's actually good for them. They can gel and get their game right the end of the day, they still have LeBron and nobody else does, right? As good as Kyrie Irving is, he doesn't even have Gordon Hayward. And you know Toronto, they have a ceiling. So there's no reason that the Cavs shouldn't win the East, especially in a seven-game series. It's hard with those matchups. You have the best player in the, in the game potentially, but certainly best player in the East still. You could argue Kevin Durant might be at his level. So I think that it's theirs to lose. Uh, you know, it's almost like it doesn't matter who's around LeBron. They should still win the East. Uh, the only problem is there was something wrong in Cleveland. So they did the right thing. They blew up the squad. They're trying to keep LeBron at all costs. And they probably are my favorite. I mean, still, unless you tell me a healthy Gordon Hayward's walking through that door, I still like the Cavs. Yeah, you're totally right. I got to say, though, I mean – Look, for them to look that good on the road, their first game against, you know, a team that is well coached by Brad Stevens, good defensive squad, um, it was very impressive. You know, I I definitely got to give them that. I thought it was nice to see Dwayne Wade in Miami, the standing ovation, and he helped hit, you know, some big shots and helped them win their first game. And you saw Isaiah Thomas in L.A., and they lost, but he looked like he was – rejuvenated a little bit. Um, when we're looking at the NBA and the Eastern Conference, you know, the top half is, is sort of, I don't want to say solid and set, but, you know, maybe Cleveland moves up a bit. But Toronto, they put a spanking on Boston last week as well. And then you've got, the, you know, Boston, you know, Toronto, Boston, Cleveland, the Wizards, who have held on, I guess, without John Wall. Do you feel that anybody in the bottom half can pull up upset if it remains sort of the status quo, whether it's the Bucks, the Pacers, the Heat, or the Sixers, even if the Pistons, you know, step up and 
get the eighth seed. What do you think about five through eight or so in the Eastern Conference, Ray? I think any of them could pull an upset, frankly. You have a guy like Giannis, and he can carry a team for three, four games. Philly might be the most talented of all those teams in the bottom half. They just don't have any experience. But they're matchup nightmares. You know, Ben Simmons is a nightmare. Joel Embiid, if he's healthy, is a nightmare. And they don't play back-to-back in the playoffs. Yeah, that will help him. Any of those bottom four teams could pull an upset. No, you're you're definitely right. So now we have buyout season. And uh, Marco Bellinelli is going to the Sixers. Um, Going towards the Western Conference, the Rockets are picking up Joe Johnson and Brandon Wright. And I got to tell you, that's really a nice fit for them. Um, a rebounder, shot blocker, uh, someone who can jump, shoot, and pass, and Joe Johnson, a veteran. When you start to look at the Warriors and who might push them a bit, you got to put the Rockets at the top of the list. But my question is to you, if we don't get a healthy Kawhi Leonard, even though the Spurs are hanging on and the Marcus has been tough at the third seed, who would be number two for you to battle them? Would it be Minnesota, Spurs, or Thunder? Well, I would definitely say the Spurs, but they need a healthy Kawhi Leonard because they're just not athletic enough. They're too old. They get run up and down the court, and they just have no chance against those younger, more athletic, deep Western Conference teams. So definitely scratch up the Spurs. And even if Kawhi comes back, you know, he's not healthy. He's not the Kawhi Leonard of last year, the defensive player of the year, the the top three MVP candidate. And, you know, that's my guy. That's one of my <laughs> true non-lefty, you know, homies. But uh, could, could you put him on an honorary first team all lefty, even though he's not a lefty? Would you just be like, he you know, shoot he got the I'm sure, I'm sure under 15 feet, he could shoot lefty. <laughs> so <laughs> that's Listen, my I, I, so I will have to give you credit because you, you've been on Leonard from pretty much so after year, year one and a half, year two. Like early on, you were on him, but – I'm worried. I don't know if he's going to play. You know what I mean? I mean, it's one of those things. And honestly, when I look at the Western Conference, the Warriors are more vulnerable this year than they've ever been. You know what I mean? Not saying that they're really vulnerable, but let's be honest. They got 13 losses. The Rockets are half a game behind them now. 43 and 13. Rockets are 42 and 13. So, um, and Joe Johnson adding him is a nice Huh? Their game travels. Their game travels, so they can win on the road. So, but I wouldn't. I would. I would hope for the Rockets' sake to make to make it interesting. It'd be kind of nice to see the Rockets get the number one seed, right, and then have to play a Golden uh-huh. State Houston Finals, a game seven in Houston, Houston? At, the, at the Toyota yes. Center. That would be cool. Now, now you're talking. That would be interesting. I got to tell you. Um, First round matchup in the West of Minnesota and OKC, that would be fascinating. And whoever survives that, I think, could definitely give the Warriors at least a five to six game push. But overall, I think it's really the Rockets and no one else that can give the Warriors even six or seven games from the Western Conference. I think, you know, now we're going to the All-Star break. Friday, we'll, you know, talk about All-Star weekend. Should be a lot of fun. It's a long President's Weekend, Valentine's Day, the whole nine coming up this week. As we leave the NBA and go to college hoops, Ray, what did you think and what do, where would you place 
you know, the conversation, some people have been saying that, you know, Paul Pierce, there was a lot of hype with him being retired. And I think, you know, 15 years in Boston, eight or 18 or 19 year career, and he's got the chip there. You know, he's an all-time Celtic great. I think he deserves to have his jersey retired. He's a Hall of Famer. Robert Parrish is definitely the chief, you know, smoking something when he says that, you know, Pierce is the best offensive (laughs) Celtic of all time. We all know it's Larry Bird. But has Pierce been sort of disrespected in a way and underrated just because he kind of was playing in the era of Kobe and LeBron? He's probably ninth or tenth all-time small forwards. But he's definitely he, – he's a great all-time player, would you say? I would. And I would say winning a title, going back and almost winning another one, I think that was validation for a guy who started as the sidekick to Antoine Walker, quickly took over, and yeah. became the guy in Boston. Remember, number nine pick out of Kansas. He had himself a great career, and – he has nothing but love from me, from Kansas fans, from Celtics fans. And, yes, he is underrated. I feel like Paul Pierce was a clutch player. He wasn't your best defensive player. But when you needed a possession, when you needed a stop, he could rise to the occasion. Versatile offensive game. So, yeah, he's, he's a really underrated player. He's a very good player. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And, and I think about nine or ten – you could debate at the back end, is he better than Worthy or Havlicek or Dominique? Probably not. I don't know if he's better than Dominique, but he's probably right there, 8, 9, 10 at small forwards. And, you know, a great Celtic, like you said, the chip and then the second final. So, you know, it's, it's uh, good to see him retired. And I didn't realize, I found out that the Chief was upset and said that mainly because he wanted to get back into coaching and he called Mikhail and, and Bird and neither one of them had any love for him. So I guess he Oh, got, I didn't hear that drama. Yeah, the Chiefs got some hurt feelings. He was like looking for a job to get into coaching. And, you know, I, I don't know. They, I think either one of them could have hired him in Indiana or when he was in Houston or Minnesota, uh, Mikhail, as an assistant. You got to give the Chiefs some love. I mean, the Chiefs, he was kind of the glue to those championships in the 80s, you know? Well, you know, those big men don't seem to get love. Patrick Ewing couldn't get love. Bill Cartwright had a quick stint as a head coach, a couple of them. Uh, Parrish, you know, I don't know. Do you and I need to start a campaign? Like hire the big man as a coach campaign? We, I mean, maybe we yeah, need to have a bias, just like in, in, in baseball, it's a bias to catchers. Basketball's a bias to point guards. Yeah. I mean, look, we got we helped get Bernard King in the Hall of Fame, right? So, you know, you and I got to – you know, true, I think true. that big man, big man getting coaching, and then the next one's going to have to be maybe Frank Gore for the Hall of Fame. You know, so we'll, we'll work on it. Let's go to college hoops, though, Ray. So the rankings come out, and my jaw kind of dropped a bit. It's Virginia, Michigan State, Villanova, Xavier, Cincinnati. You know, six, you have Purdue. Then Texas Tech, we got to give them love on our show with their defense. Eight, Ohio State, who's first in the Big Ten. We're not talking about them. And then, obviously, it's Gonzaga and Auburn. So, let me ask you, does Virginia deserve to be number one? I know it's only two losses, but they lost to Virginia Tech in overtime. Maybe the overtime solidified it because Michigan State just beat Purdue when they were five and four, and they only went up to two. What did you think about the rankings? So, I was surprised because on the week that you lose, it's very rare that you move up to number one. 
but if you look deep at their roster and you just say up until this point, Virginia has better wins, Virginia has better competition, Virginia yeah. played better than Michigan State. But I'm I was caught up in the you know I can't believe on the week you lose you become number <laughs> one. But full resume inspection, Virginia's got had a better year thus far than anybody, including Michigan State. That's fair. And all the way up down to Xavier, uh, you know, the top four teams all got first place votes. So um, that in itself is pretty cool. Do you feel like I'm at the point where I'm really fascinated and curious to see come a tournament play, can a Texas Tech and can an Ohio State, you know, where are we at? Because usually these are not teams that we've seen to be, you know, tournament tested the last couple of years. Ohio State years back were pretty good. But Texas Tech is, you know, almost right up there with Virginia defensive efficiency. Ohio State, you can't sneeze that they're, you know, the Big Ten, it might not be the deepest that it used to be, but they're definitely top-heavy this year, and they got, what, four teams in the top 25. Do you think Ohio State might prove to be um, a little better than we think? They could be playing through that Big Ten is usually, you know, brutal, although the Big Ten has been just okay this year. Um, I, I'd like to see them in the, Big, in the Big Ten tournament prove some things to me. You know, I feel like this field, even Virginia, is is beatable, right? This field is really a 15-team field that can make right. it to the Right, because if you can four. score, you can beat Virginia, but they really play great defense. Right, Bennett, that's always been his Achilles. He plays close games, and close games are great, except that close games, the the weaker team can beat you because it's fewer possessions, and all you need to do is miss a couple. They hit a couple threes, and there you go. You just gave up your five-point lead. Yeah. I think you wonder in a tournament, Ray, if teams like Texas A&M or Nevada, Arizona State, Oklahoma, towards the bottom of the top 25, are they sweet 16 candidates because of their guard play? You know, I mean, you definitely see – you know, Oklahoma, Arizona State with their guards, um, even West Virginia with their defense, but not really consistent scoring. I think this year, like you said, it's going to be more open than usual. And, you know, we're at the home stretch. We're a month away. Yesterday would have been, you know, Selection Sunday a month from yesterday. So it's, uh, it's time to strap up your boots. You know, you're going to have the Gonzaga-St. Mary's battles, Rhode Island's up in there this year. You know, North Carolina moved up to 14, Duke uh, at 12. So it's going to be a yeah, lot of fun. What a yo-yo for Carolina, 24, 14, top five, top 10. You know, this well, team now it's so looks like they're putting it together, right? The win over Duke and then going into NC State and getting revenge. Luke May is having a, you know, all, you know oh, first yeah, he team had all a big game, game. Like, you know, and you like Joel Berry. seventeen making up, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the ACC is gonna is gonna ball out. I think um, I, I can't wait. I can't wait till March, basically. Yeah, no, it should be fun. So look, anyway, enjoy the rest of the sports week. You know, we're in and out, giving you the NBA and college hoops real fast. Ray, before we bounce, a quick congrats, right, to Frank Wright, who got the coach job the OC from the Eagles and, you know, a former Buffalo Bill quarterback, I think it's a good move. What I think like? so too. Like and it? it'd be interesting to see, he'll always be forever linked to Josh McDaniels. So it'll be interesting to follow those two careers 
and to see if Frank Reich's able to have a better career than Josh McDaniels, because Josh McDaniels is looking like is the heir apparent to Bill Belichick, maybe, uh, but who knows what they do in, in New England there. But it'd be interesting, and I'm rooting for Frank Reich. Your boy, right, Maryland? Yo, Turp, yo, listen. Turp is, a, is, is head coaching. I love it. And uh, I wish my Turps would do well on the basketball scene. At least our St. John's squad had a good week, uh, basically Marquette, they got Duke, they got Villanova in the last week and a half. So kudos to Chris Mullen, Patrick Ewing, all these guys coaching. And uh, it, get ready. The NBA, pretty, put it like this, the NBA All-Star Weekend should be a ton of fun. When it's all said and done, it'll be 25 to 26 games pretty much for every team after the break and strap up your boots for basketball intensity, February March and so on. So have a great sports week and we'll catch up with you on Friday. We're out.